series, Plus Nothing, Grace. And it's by grace alone that we're saved, plus nothing. We can't add anything to it, and we shouldn't even try to add anything to it. It's by Jesus that we're saved, by him alone. So please open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1 as we get started. We'll be reading all of chapter 1 today as we've been focusing on different verses each week. And now we're at the very end. We're going to wrap up Galatians chapter 1 today. And I want to read where we've been as we recap where we're, until we get to where we're going. So we'll be reading all of Galatians chapter 1. But we'll be focusing on verses 11 to 24. So as you open there, I just want to say the gospel we live out and teach is of great importance. We must be focused on the word of God for all of our truths because the truth does matter. The difference between right and wrong is life or death. It's the difference between life and death for all of eternity. So I'd like to read you just a couple little illustrations to, to just share the importance of being right versus wrong, of sharing a right message versus a wrong message. The first is a message on counterfeit money. You see, counterfeit money is lacking in authority. It does not have the backing of the federal government. A good counterfeiter can dupe some people into accepting his copywork as legitimate currency. But eventually, when the fake money is brought before the authorities, it will be found false and sentenced to destruction. Likewise, a false gospel lacks something very important, the authority of Christ. Listen to this. The preacher of a false gospel may believe it himself and persuade men to accept his message. But nevertheless, in the final analysis, there is no salvation in his gospel. Paul tells us that such a preacher will be apprehended by the courts of heaven and a judgment pronounced. In Galatians 1, 6-9, what we were on last week, he said, let him be accursed. And last week we talked about that, that even if it was himself or even if it was an angel... May he be accursed if he's preaching the wrong gospel, if he's preaching a different gospel than the gospel of being saved by grace alone. Let me read to you one more illustration, which I think even more shows us how important truth is. It says, a counterfeit can be deadly. Though the real thing it imitates is harmless or even beneficial, in the Binghamton General Hospital a few decades ago, several babies in, ma in the maternity ward died suddenly, of unknown causes. It was later determined that in mixing the baby's formula, salt had been substituted for sugar. Though the resulting mixture looked the same, it caused the death of several infants. The gospel, too, can be counterfeited today, just as it apparently was in Paul's day. Though it may sound similar and be undetected as a fake, it lacks the life-giving power of the real thing, and it is destructive. Now, I got these illustrations out of an article I found. I obviously haven't been there to see these stories happen in real life, but it is a powerful story of just helping us to understand how important truth is and how important it is to obey the right gospel, preach the right gospel, the gospel of grace alone plus nothing. So we're going to be reading from Galatians chapter 1 and recap a little bit. We're mainly just going to get into the message for today, verse 11 to 24. I'll read it to you as it is kind of long today. And we read this. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, 
who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God the Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That was week one. Week two, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And today's message begins here. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former, former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cyphus and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they were glorified. They glorified God because of me. Galatians 1, 11 to 24 is what we're in today. And today's scripture is all about a story. A story which both defends Paul's message, his message of gospel, of the gospel of grace. But it's also a story which tells about his life. His life, which was becoming an evangelist. Paul, from terrorist to evangelist. It's a powerful story, and it's one of a transformed life, which is a powerful life. Have you ever thought about that? Just how powerful life can be when it's transformed. You see, God loves to transform lives from powerless to powerful. God loves to transform lives from powerless to powerful. But we must remember where our source of the power comes from. And the source of the power is only through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ and the gospel of grace, the cross, the life, the death on the cross, the resurrection. It's through Jesus that we have our power. It's through Jesus that we're saved. It's through Jesus that we have a restored relationship with our Father in heaven. And we all have powerful stories. But do you remember your stories? 
Paul today tells us about his story, but do you remember your stories? Because you too have a powerful story of a transformed life, just like Paul. Now this is what also others would just be, uh, would know as a testimony. I like to use the word story. I think it translates better to our modern culture. When we ask somebody, what's your testimony on the side of the road? They might not know what you're talking about. But if you say, what's your story? Tell me about your life. Tell me about your life growing up, your life before Christ, your conversion experience, the night you accepted Christ as your Savior and you, you committed to follow after him. And then your story after Christ. These are our testimonies. These are our stories. Now, I know what many of you might already be thinking out there. You're thinking, well, Pastor Patrick, my story isn't powerful. I don't have this powerful story of a transformed life like you're saying. I grew up in the church. I was saved at the age of six through vacation Bible school. I've sang worship songs all my life. I've listened to Christian radio all my life. I've never been addicted to anything but God. But you know what? You're wrong. We all have powerful stories of a transformed life. And you know why? Because we've all been rescued by grace. We've all been rescued. Think about it for a moment. God's word tells us that none are righteous. No, not one. But yet we're still all saved because of grace. Because of Jesus. Because of the cross. Because the Father loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. His one and only son. That's how much God loves us. We've been rescued. Maybe you think your story's not as powerful. You don't have that transformed life. But you do. Because think about all that God's protected you from. All that he's rescued you from. And at the very le least, think about how God's rescued you from death. To have eternal life with him. Each and every single day, God continues to save us. To rescue us. And no matter what you think about your testimony, your story, no matter what you think about, about who God calls you to speak to about him, you need to see that God uses all of our stories. There's a lot of people in this congregation even that I might not connect with. Maybe you even don't look forward to hearing me preach. But it's because we're a church body that you keep coming. Because we all connect together. We all help each other. God uses all of our stories to help everyone. I remember when I was a youth pastor, and there was a time when I had just begun. I had these great youth leaders, and these youth leaders were so good. They connected with some of these teens so well that I started getting jealous because I thought, I actually went to the senior pastor one time. I talked to him, and I thought, Pastor, why is it that all these kids want to hang out with him and not me? And it really bothered me. But then as I, I got talking with him, he said, Pastor Patrick, that's a great thing. You're never going to connect with everyone. But God uses all of our stories. God uses all of our gifts. God uses all of our personalities to bring us all together and to use us. So, Patrick, you may get, to get, get, get along great with this group, and he doesn't. He gets along great with this group, and you don't. But because you work together, you can all glorify God more in how you're witness to him. We all have stories. But here's part of the problem. We think our stories aren't good enough. Or we hold our stories back from certain people. And in this passage, I think that we see that God can and he will not just save the Pauls of the world, 
but he will use the Pauls of the world. If God can transform and use men like Paul, a terrorist of God's own people, who are we to question who God can transform, whose lives he can transform? All through the power of a story. And boy, oh boy, does he have power to transform lives. As we look to verses 11 to 12, the first thing we must see is that his story is not from man, but through Jesus himself. Paul had a revelation from Jesus. As we read back in back to the scripture, it says this in verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached, that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Verse 12. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. And if you look to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, it describes this remarkable incident. The Lord Jesus spoke to Paul directly on the road to Damascus in such a way that Paul lost his sight for three days. And then a Christian man named Ananias came to him. It's probably during these three days, during this time, that Christ delivered his message to Paul. The message that he was going to deliver to, to many cities, to many nations. I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's something we can't really say. I mean, this is a man who was persecuting all of God's people. Here's a terrorist. And now God revealed himself to him. And his life is transformed to be that of an evangelist. Paul's own relationship to the gospel was unique. Because most of us, we hear somebody else's story. And our life is transformed through God using people. But here, Paul had a revelation from Jesus Christ himself. We don't have the time, but I encourage you all to go back to Acts chapter 9 this week, maybe today. And just read it. And think about the picture. Picture it. What would Paul think? What would that be like as Jesus reveals himself in front of Paul and his vision is miraculously taken away? Paul did not receive instructions for Ananias, but Paul had already been called, he'd already been enlightened, he had already been taught by Christ in the road, on the road to Damascus. His contact with, with Ananias was merely a testimonial to the fact that Paul had been called by Christ to preach the gospel it was the beginning of his word going throughout the nations. This revelation did not just give Paul's life a minor correction either. It gave Paul's life a major overhaul. It transformed his life in a way which only the gospel can from the inside out. His life was transformed to be that of a new creation. Now, I worked in automotive repair for several years at a Ford dealer and a Chevy dealer in service departments. I can tell you a little bit about an overhaul. And when you talk about an overhaul, it's not just putting a new tire on. It's not just doing a little tune-up like a set of spark plugs. Paul's life was overhauled inside and out. It was disassembled and reassembled in a way which would glorify Christ. Again, he went from being a terrorist to an evangelist. In telling his story here, Paul is defending the fact that he's an apostle in his words and that his words should be accepted, just as it was by any other apostle. Some of Paul's critics were accusing him of not preaching a gospel of Christ, but preaching a gospel of man. So he writes this to us for two reasons again. He's defending his message. This message is from Christ. 
But he's also going into the story of how he came to know Christ. The before Christ, the conversion, and the after the conversion, coming to know Christ. Paul's message came from Jesus himself through a revelation, not through word passed from one human being to another, but from Jesus himself. No one liked this. Now, I think that could possibly be because they couldn't explain it. I think of myself and maybe some of us in here when somebody asks us a question. We don't always just have a, and maybe we don't know the answer. We don't always have a way of admitting, you know what, I don't have the answer. I don't know, but let me get back with you. Of just admitting the truth. Sometimes we try and make excuses. We try and act like we know everything. And that's what the Pharisees had a way of doing. They didn't like Jesus. Because Jesus wanted to throw their whole religion upside down and add this concept of grace. And they didn't understand this. All throughout history, they preached a message of law, of traditions. And a lot of them weren't ones they had added to the gospel, added to law. And they weren't really biblical at all. So, they didn't like this. Maybe it's because they didn't understand. Maybe it's because they couldn't explain it. Maybe it's just because they were jealous. Or maybe it was because they were prideful. But I do know they didn't like it. So, <coughs> false teachers arise. And they start to preach against Paul's message. And here again we have Paul defending it. And what better message for Paul to defend it with than tell them that all we need is grace. Plus nothing. This is crucial that we're saved by grace. One commentator said, it is the yardstick by which all other gospels should be measured. It is the yardstick by which all other gospels should be measured. Grace alone. If you think about it, you must admit that this does not sound like anything that we would invent anyways. People want to accuse Paul of inventing this new religion, this new way of doing Christianity. But this isn't how a sinful human being would invent it anyways. You look at all the other world religions, and as we talked last week, you'd see that they're all based upon works. We like to be competitive. We like to say that we need to earn our right. We need to do this. We need to do that. Even at Thursday night men's basketball, we say that we, we say no, no NBA skills required. But we're pretty competitive, and we've had a few injuries already just in a few weeks because we're always trying to compete with one another, and that's how our gospel, if we were planning it, would be. But here, God plans a gospel of grace. We're saved by grace alone. This is why all other religions are based off works, because they were created not by God but men, because we like control. And to admit that we're saved by grace alone, it gives away that control. Because we realize there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's only by God that we're saved. The grace alone salvation is important to our life because there's no other way. Here's a great little quote from David Platt. It says this, The gospel of grace is like water. Think about water for a moment. The gospel of grace is like water. People did not invent it, and people cannot live without it. We're spiritually thirsty creatures in need of the living water of the gospel. As believers, we need to keep drinking from this well of grace. Many Christians think they should move on from the gospel, as if there is something more important than Christ's work. No, keep drinking more of grace. Keep working the gospel into your heart. You will be prepared to tell believers that what they desperately need is not good advice or moral improvement, but the good news from God 
about new life in Jesus. Grace brings us life. But this grace does not just bring us life. No, it brings us so much more than just life. In 2 Peter 1.3, it tells us, His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Paul received this message to himself. He was, it was revealed to him by Jesus himself. A message of grace. Where do we get our message? Where do we trust? Who do we look to? Because there's a lot of messages out there right now. There's a lot of preachers out there right now. There's a lot of books out there right now that just want to give us that feel-good feeling. We're not always going to have our best days today, the best days tomorrow, because our best day will be in the future when we're with Christ. We need to make sure we're not listening to a truth that's going to lead us astray, away from God. Anything that leads you away from dependency upon the gospel of grace, anything that leads you away, leads you away from dependency on God's word is not truth. So as we move on, we see these claims and we see Paul start to transition to the powerful transforming of his life. So as we look to verses 13 to 16, we see his pre-conversion story. The transformation of Paul's life helps to show us how God can transform all lives to glorify him and to serve him. Paul claimed himself to be the chief of sinners. I want to hear just how bad some of the things were he, he did. Because Paul gives us several examples from his life, both here and in other chapters and every other books. But still we find many similarities between Paul and us. I love Paul and his message because I think of myself like Paul. I think of myself and I, I find myself very lowly and I think, how could God save me? And then I think of Paul, the chief of all sinners. We all are like Paul because we all need grace. And the moment we think we don't need grace is the moment that Satan's trying to deceive us. Paul wanted all to know that he was no simple sinner, as if there is such thing. He was the chief of sinners. Paul persecuted Christians to an extreme degree, by his own words, an extreme degree. In fact, looking over scripture and Acts, we see that he would drag Christians to prison... He would cast his vote against them, sentencing them to torture and to death in Acts 8. He would drag them off to prison. In fact, Paul was on his way to persecute Christians when God revealed himself to him. And totally transformed his life, turned it around. Paul referred to himself in 1 Timothy as a blasphemer, a persecutor, an arrogant man, and again, as the worst of all sinners. You know what? All of these things he once considered to be good things. All the Pharisees considered to be good things as he was like the new up and rising star. He was a Pharisee of all Pharisees and he was being praised by the Pharisees because of how many Christians he was persecuting. His goal wasn't just to kill a Christian. His goal was to kill the entire religion of Christianity based upon God, the gospel of grace. But again, they weren't here in the false teaching of Galatians teaching against Jesus, they were trying to add to the gospel of grace. They were trying to say, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but you should still believe in all these traditions and laws and circumcision as well. 
There's another quote by David Platt that says this. Sincerity cannot bring you to salvation if you do not sincerely believe in the truth. You can be sincerely wrong. You can be consumed with religion and miss Jesus. Let me read that again. Sincerity cannot bring you to salvation if you do not sincerely believe in the truth. You can be sincerely wrong. You can be consumed with religion and miss Jesus. There's two types of being wrong. There's a type of being wrong where you're kind of over the surface. You never dig deep and, oh, we, can, we don't really need to believe all this stuff. We can just believe that we're good enough. Or there's the other type, and that's the type of legalism of the Pharisees, which tried to add to the gospel and try and say you have to do all these things to get to heaven. But God had other plans for Paul. It tells us in verse 15 that he was set apart before he was born. We've all been set apart before we were born. God has a plan for all of our lives. Now, I'm not getting into that verse in Jeremiah. We've preached on that before. But he really does have a plan for all of our lives. That plan is to glorify him in all we do. That plan is to make sure that we're preaching a right gospel. That plan is talking about our stories, the stories of a transformed life. And here's the thing. We might look to Paul's pre-conversion story and think him to be too far gone, but no one is too far gone for the gospel of Jesus through Christ alone. The gospel of grace through Christ. Because it is not about us. It is about Jesus. Our stories mean something. And we hold back our stories because we think they are not powerful. Or we hold back our stories because we think, oh, that that man's too far gone. Yet then we look to this story. The life of Paul. If anybody was too far gone, don't you think it'd be him? He was persecuting Christians, killing them, trying to trying to banish the entire concept of grace. And yet God revealed himself to him on his way to persecute Christians. God saved you. And we should marvel about this. He saves all of us, all who call upon his name. And we should marvel about this. It is powerful. It's a powerful story. Let's talk about conversion for a minute, though. Conversion involves godly intervention, his divine planning, his gracious calling, and seeing the glory of Christ. In Ephesians 2, 4 to 6, we read, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus. The gospel is a rescue mission. It was a rescue mission for Paul, and it is for all believers still today. As grace still saves us, Jesus still saves us. Consider how patient God was for Paul. God had a plan for him. He was called before he was born. And yet God waited for him and watched him do all these terrible things. God waited for each of us too. God was patient for us. And he's still being patient for us as each day we still let him down. But he still rescues us. Each and every single day he rescues us. He saves us. We're never too far gone and neither was Paul. Are you grateful for how patient God is with you? 
powerfully and effectively Paul was called, and so are we. We're called in such a way that we can't help but live changed lives. We're called in such a way that we can't help but have overhauled lives to be made into a new creation. Let me ask you, when you are asked how we've been saved, when you're asked, why are you so happy? When you're asked, what joy do you have? How do you answer people? Because I think we need to say it was by grace, pure grace. When somebody walks up to you on the street and they ask you, why are you so happy? What hope do we have in a life filled with so much evil, with school shootings and everything else? How do we answer people? Because we're saved by grace. Because we have hope that we still have a God who loves us. Because we have hope that we will live for all eternity with him. Because we have hope that although it snows, God's taking care of us and it will be spring before we know it. Another thing to look at, Paul was not even looking for this grace. That's how powerful the grace of God is. He convicts us in such a way that we're not even looking for it and bam, there it is. God revealed himself to Paul. He reveals himself to us too, but in different ways. As we read on verse 16 to 24, we see a transition of what happens after he's called the conversion. Let me read that to you as we start working to the end. 16 to 24, we read this. I'll start at 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cyphus and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in the person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith. He once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Paul continued to defend the gospel and his message to them as an apostle by letting them know that there's no way that he could be just relaying another person's message because after receiving this gospel, after having this testimony by Ananias, he went off. For three years he went off. He stated that he did not even go to Jerusalem to where the other apostles would have been found. It, would, it was not until after three years that he would go to Jerusalem. And I believe these three years would give Paul a time to focus on Jesus, to focus on the transformed life he had been given, to focus on how he needed to change his message that he was preaching. It's also interesting to note that the other early apostles... <coughs> had roughly three years with Jesus themselves. And now Paul would have three years alone to focus on his message that Jesus had given him. He was an apostle of Christ. Jesus himself revealed this message to him. Paul had three years to focus on the message that Jesus had given him to preach, and yet only 15 days in Jerusalem. 
He went straight to preaching the faith that he once was trying to destroy. Straight from scripture. How powerful is that? To have such a transformed life that you don't just stand idle, but you actively preach against everything that you were preaching before. You actively preach against what was persecuting the church, against what was persecuting Christians. You go so far the other direction that it's impossible to see how you ever even began uh, to preach wrongfully to begin with. There was no other message given to him but the one that was revealed by Jesus. So let me transition to application here. The points for today are this. You see, like Paul, we who follow Christ may now say that Christ lives in us. We too have changed lives. We too have powerful stories of transformed lives which God intends to use to talk to other people with. But we need to make sure we're not holding on to them for ourselves. We need to make sure we're not just holding on to them for certain people who we feel a comfortable conversation coming on with. Sometimes God calls us to do hard things. Sometimes God calls us to do things which are out of our comfort zone. And are we going to follow after him in the hard things as well as the easy things? If you look to the life of Paul, he didn't just live a life of ease. He lived a life of hard trials and torture and being persecuted for the very faith that he had, he had now began to preach. We too will have to go through hard things. But it's only through the grace of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that we're saved. That's the only way that anybody's saved. And we need to share these stories. What's your story? When was the last time you shared this story? Because we all have powerful stories to share. Whether you choose to accept it or not, you do have a powerful story to share. Second Peter 3.18 tells us, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I firmly believe that if you are growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you're going to be growing in a way which you can't help but to acknowledge all he's done. You can't help but be so, gra- so full of so much gratitude, full of so much thank- thanks- thankfulness, that you want to tell everybody what you have. If you don't want to tell everybody what you have, maybe you don't really have a proper understanding of what you do have. What will you do with the grace and knowledge you have received? My points are this. Number one, even Paul's are capable of being called by God. So don't hold back. Present the gospel to everyone. Not just are even Paul's capable of being transformed, called, but they're capable of being used. And maybe by you not telling them, by you waiting, you're presenting that person from getting started on their life, not just with Christ and life, but for them to be able to go to other people and do what God's called them to do. Number two, Paul's gospel did not come from a desire to please man, but to please God. Are you looking to please God, or are you looking to please man with your life? Who are you looking to please? Number three, the gospel may not be taken seriously until the Holy Spirit is involved. Keep the Spirit in the gospel. We need to remember that The Spirit's ultimately in control, not us. We can present the gospel to a thousand people, and we should. But if the Spirit's not in it, it's not going to happen. We're not the ones that transform people's lives. It's God. It's just God uses us. God uses our stories. Number four, 
The human mind cannot comprehend the gospel without God and you. And don't misunderstand me. It's not really about you, but God wants to use you. It's really all because of God. Will you allow God to use you? And five, share your story. A powerful story of a transformed life. You all have stories, powerful stories of transformed lives, and God can and will use them to transform other people's lives as well. Don't hold the glory for yourself, but give all the glory to God. Turn it over to the one who gave your powerful, transformed life to begin with. What are we going to do with this gospel, this gospel of grace? Are we holding on to it for ourselves, or are we going to share our story? This is what Paul does here in Galatians. As people are accusing him of not preaching a correct gospel, and they're trying to add to the gospel to make it into a different gospel, Paul's defending the gospel. He's defending his message and where it came from. And then he lets people know by sharing the, his story, he lets people know just how powerful the gospel is to transform his life. We, too, can transform lives through God, the Spirit, and Jesus, through the stories that he's given each and every single one of us. Let me go ahead and pray as we close. I believe the worship team will be coming up for one final song. Lord God, we thank you today for the grace that you've given us, for rescuing us from such a destructive future, destructive to our own selves, destructive to our lives here, physical lives, but destructive to our spiritual lives that we have for all eternity. Thank you for giving us grace. Thank you for giving us what we don't deserve and saving us for a life meant to glorify you, to serve you. Lord, may we share these powerful stories of transformed lives that we each have. May you use them to transform other people starting today. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.